0: Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, If you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B Marketing Managers, CMOs, Marketers in Demand roles, Content Leads and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep
1: you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.
0: Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. This week's interview is with Taylor Bogart. She's the head of customer marketing at Apollo.io. Now, Apollo, for those who don't know, is a sales intelligence and engagement platform. Taylor is a fountain of knowledge on all things customer advisory board, and we use the acronym CAB throughout this episode. In this conversation, we covered everything from definitions and key considerations for when and how to start CABs. We also dive into how you can run these customer advisory board sessions, action insights from them, and measure success.
1: I think it's also important to call out that what Taylor and the organizations she's worked in are doing with cabs is in a lot of ways very different from how we've seen cabs in the marketplace so far. They are definitely market leaders and innovators in the space, and it was really exciting to get her on to share some of the inner workings of how she's putting those together and how the organization's. She's working in putting these together are really benefiting from those and it shows through in the quality of the members that she has in those cabs and the visibility of genuine interactions and genuine benefits that those members are getting from those cabs it is
0: really different kev it's a lot more structured than i thought it would be and i actually think kev that this interview came at a perfect time in the context of the b2b playbook because after speaking to taylor This is certainly a later play in the growth of a lot of B2B businesses. It does take resources, but it's absolutely worth covering and looking at. So, listeners, watchers, viewers, we hope you enjoy this conversation with Taylor Bogart. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, as you know, we rarely have guests on our show. Instead, we select a few true experts who align with our view that B2B marketing is more about people, not platforms. Now, today, our special guest is Taylor Bogar. Taylor is the head of customer marketing at Apollo, and Apollo is a sales intelligence and engagement platform. She's an absolute rock star when it comes to customer marketing. And before Apollo, she was the head of customer marketing at Chili Piper. Now, both companies really embody our mantra of be helpful and are clearly very close to their customers. So who better to tell us than how they're doing it than Taylor? Taylor, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me and thanks for the kind words.
0: Taylor, I first came across your brilliance last year. Back when I saw you sending out these gorgeous wine and cheese platters to some B2B marketers in our network, I then dug a little bit deeper and I saw that you'd launched a customer advisory board. That was the moment when I knew that we had to have you on the show. And I'm so glad to say that all this time later, we finally got you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
0: All right, cool. Well, Taylor, before we go into the practicalities of building a customer advisory board, and listeners, we're going to be calling it a CAB. That's the acronym for it because I don't want to keep saying customer advisory board. I want to get more of an understanding as to what a CAB actually is and what the benefits are so our listeners can see if it's a really a worthwhile investment of their time. So, Taylor, I want to kick off by asking, what the hell is a customer advisory board?
2: So a customer advisory board is, my definition of it is just a group of key customers or your most knowledgeable customers that you bring together regularly just to talk about your products, to talk about your brand, to give product feedback, and to really just milk them for strategy and information. If you have the right titles, I think it really benefits you if it's like, that your group is made up of your ICP or multiple ICPs. It's just a great way to get really good feedback from people that are on the front lines of using your product.
0: Awesome. Okay. So it's really there to get great feedback. Are there any other main benefits to building one? Like why should a business build one other than that feedback?
2: Absolutely. I would actually say if your main goal is to just get feedback on the product, It's probably too much of a program to take on, I would do something like research or beta testing or have a group of folks that you tap on whenever you do need specific product feedback. But if you're really looking for your best customers to become advocates for you and really sink their teeth into what you're building as an organization and really be bought in. That's when you really want to build a cab is when you're looking for both getting that product feedback, but also just really deepening and building relationships with folks that are great logos for you to have on board.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that, that really makes sense. It ties you into the customers themselves that you're turning them into advocates. Are there any other, what are the key objectives of cabs? We've spoken about the benefits, but what are the objectives? Why would a business actually go about doing this?
2: I think it really depends on where you're at in your business and what internal stakeholders are looking for. So when you go to build your cab, or if you're thinking about creating the program, talk with your leaders, talk with CS, your marketing team, your GTM team, and I guess pitch it to them and say, hey, if I were to bring together this group, like obviously product feedback is at the forefront of like the purpose of building a customer advisory board. But beyond that, if you have a group of our best customers, if you have access to them, what would you want to get out of it? And how could that push forward your team within the organization? So at Chili Piper, we were specifically choosing folks to invite to our cab that showed a lot of initiative when it came to gaining access to our brand, talking about us on social, people that we could tell we're really bought into the Chili Piper brand. And also we're experts in their space and we're power users of our tool. Here at Apollo, it's a little bit different where we are so product forward. That product feedback is a lot more important. And not to say like the advocacy stuff isn't as important, but we're thinking more about the product piece, like during meetings, for instance, like how do we really focus on getting the specific feedback we need from these people versus talking to them about different ways they can advocate for us or like what they would want to see from our brand so it really depends on the needs of the business but i would say like i mentioned the two main objectives are that feedback and really understanding what they as customers want to see from you outside of product usage, what they wanna see from their CS team or the CSMs that are assigned to them, what they wanna see from you on social, what you can do to add value to them as a customer because they represent your whole customer base. And you can really come up with creative ways to deepen those relationships and also take what you're learning and apply it at scale for the rest of your customer base. That was long, but I hope it made sense.
0: (laughs) I know that did like it actually, it it was such a great example comparing what you, the purpose of it was a Chili Piper versus Apollo, and it completely reflects where they are at different stages as companies.
2: Absolutely. And
0: I can totally understand that with a more product focused company like Apollo, why you probably can't take the same approach that you took it at Chili Piper because there's just so much more volume, right? You've gone from thousands to millions of customers. So it's a different ball game.
2: Absolutely. That's such a good point. I think we were talking about this before you hit record, but the two are just so different where having a really like a PLG forward company, you are you have millions of users, millions of customers. That doesn't mean they're not valuable, but at a company like Chili Piper, you just organically learned who your biggest advocates were, there wasn't any noise. And at Apollo, it's okay, we have millions of users. We have really great logos. We have really great people that are obsessed with our brand, but it's not as clear who those people are. And so you have to come up with creative ways to to figure out who they are. And like, you really have to rely more on teams within the organization to raise those people up. We're not at that point yet where we've invited any members to our cab at Apollo, but I know that it's just going to be a totally different ballgame when we start to source members.
0: Okay, well, this segues perfectly into this next question that I had, which was, how do you actually go about selecting who should be on your cab? Are they just customers? Are they customers who are also little micro-influencers? Like, how do you actually go about figuring that out?
2: That's another question where it really just depends on your business. And I think it also depends on the approach that you take with your cab. So I don't know if this is going to be covered anywhere, but I would love to talk about just the strategy that we implemented at Chili Piper for our cab that was pretty unique and that we'll also be implementing at Apollo. So instead of having, I think when you think about a cab, if you are familiar with what a cab is, it's typically a group of, I would say 10, I hear from between like 10 and 20 people, often. Titles are mixed together in the group and you meet on a quarterly or twice a year basis. The approach we're taking is not going to be that small. So, what we're doing is we are, like I said, having your cab mapped to your ICPs is really effective. And so, we have all of our personas and we're creating groups around those personas so that all of the people that are in, let's say, we have a sales leaders cab. All of the people that are in that cab share the same title. They can benefit from each other in terms of networking, in terms of thought leadership, talking about strategy, like things like what are the most effective email cadences that you're using right now and what are those results? Bringing people together with similar titles just creates a a more engaging program. And so with that in mind, when you're thinking about sourcing members, it Quickly turns from 10 members to 60 at Chili Piper. We had a roster of 60 cab members and understanding who owns relationships with those different personas within your organization, whether it's CS or sales. Sometimes product owns relationships. If you do have a pretty strong beta testing program, understanding who owns those relationships and really working with them to create easy ways to flag key customers that they've started to build relationships or have existing relationships. So that instead of you going out and trying to look through your CRM and source people or look through NPS scores or something like that, you're really working collaboratively with the rest of your organization to identify folks. And then it really pulls other people into the cab and they're more bought in because they own their relationships too.
0: That's so interesting. Look, a lot of our listeners probably are at earlier stage companies, not quite the size of Apollo. And it might be a little bit more obvious to them who their raving fans are. But when you get to the scale of Apollo, like that's really difficult to identify. So I I appreciate you sharing how you're actually going about selecting those people because it'd just be a whole different process.
2: Yeah, and we haven't done it yet. So maybe by the time this airs, we will have successfully sourced all of the members, but... It's, a, it's something that kind of keeps me awake at night. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> something that you really touched on there was, I guess, like segmenting your customer advisory board and putting people with similar job titles together. It seems to me that is that like a strategy to try and create value? Because if I'm the customer, I've already got like a day job. I already have a busy life. Like, why would I bother spending my time joining Apollo Chili Piper's cab. Like, why would I bother doing that?
2: Yeah, so it actually, you hit the nail on the head. It creates value for them and for your organization. So let's take the example of sales leaders, or at Chili Piper, we called them our sales influencers. And these actually weren't all customers. There were some sales influencers that just really loved our brand. And so we invited them in because they knew a lot about our product. But having a group with similar titles, having it segmented, A, gives you the opportunity, like I said, to really structure the meetings according to what their needs are. So one great example is at Chili Piper, we had our Instant Booker product was something that end users really benefited from, just like an Instant Booker link. And so we were reframing or I guess re-establishing our messaging for the go-to-market for that product. And we were able to have the sales influencers, a portion of the sales influencers meeting really focused on, hey, this is like some of the messaging we're thinking of. We pitched it to them and they gave us real-time feedback. They told us what they liked, what they didn't like. And that's not something that we would have been able to take to like A RevOps, like a RevOps group, which we probably could have, but they're just not as interested in giving that kind of feedback. And so that's where it adds value for you. And then for them, they get to inform on really specific products that impact them. And they also get access to the other people in the group. So one thing that we are very, very intentional about is making sure that the group is connecting outside of the cab meetings. And so we have Slack groups set up so that they can all help each other, like whether it's boosting something on LinkedIn or helping give an intro or what have you, really figuring out what kind of value that specific title or that specific person in that role will get can get out of having this cohort of people that are really well-connected, like in your space, you can get a lot of value just having those special exclusive relationships. And then beyond that, this isn't really focused on title, but they would get a lot of value out of the work we did to help them elevate their brands personally.
0: All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, It's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial. When you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast, that's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Oh my God, that sounds like an enormous amount of work (laughs) at your end to support all of this. It sounds very one-to-one, like you're trying to create things that I guess get the the, uh, the snowball rolling down the hill like putting them in a slack group so they support each other but I've tried to make groups before and I know that it's not as simple as getting a bunch of like-minded people and throwing them in a group you've got to provide support and structures and you've got to be incentivizing people to post and just take action was it just you doing it was there a team like how did you manage that
2: gosh I think that We didn't have a Slack group for every single, so we had six groups at Chili Piper. We didn't have a Slack group for every group. It was only for a few. And I think because the groups were so small, I know what you're talking about where if you're building a community at a certain point, it becomes like a full-time job to be able to manage the engagement and expectations and like rules and all of that. But it didn't feel that way, I think, when we had the Slack group. But outside of that, yes, it's a lot of work. If you're considering launching a customer advisory board, I would actually advise against it until you have a dedicated headcount for it (laughs) because it easily and once you get it off the ground, I would say the launch is a full time job, like launching a cab, especially if you're doing multiple groups is absolutely like 80% will take up 80% of your time through the first round of meetings if you're doing them quarterly. And then once you get in the groove and figure out how to engage with these people and build relationships and it doesn't always feel like you're constantly just chasing squirrels, it becomes like a second nature and <laughs> it just gets way easier. <laughs> but I would say it still took slash takes probably 30% of my time when we're not having meetings because you wanna make sure that you're coming up with creative ways to engage with your cab members outside of meetings so that they're getting value from the cab all the time and then when you're facilitating meetings if it is your responsibility and not like an event person's responsibility to actually facilitate and plan the meetings it's probably meeting meeting time is probably 50 percent of my time i don't know if you asked how much time it takes yeah that's just yeah, the-
0: no. I that's I. I wanted to know that because I wanted to know like when was the right time to build one, and it sounds like you've really got to wait until you have a dedicated person. So I suppose that's someone with a title similar to yours, someone who's yep. dedicated to customer marketing, which is normally a little further down the road for companies.
2: Yeah. yeah, definitely. And
0: you also touched on the fact that like you had to spend a lot of time thinking of like creative ways to keep people engaged and. I kind of want to get into some of those. I remember seeing just by following you for quite a while that gifting seems to be like a huge part of the strategy when it comes to customer advisory boards. I saw one example where you sent every member of your customer advisory board a Pokemon card, like you turned them into a Pokemon (laughs) card with their attributes and stats. That was super cool. Talk me through that. What was the purpose? Why did you do it? What was the outcome?
2: Yeah. Okay, so, so to give a little bit of context and I don't know if we'll talk about this at another point in the conversation, but when whenever you set up a cab, I would definitely recommend outlining a cab what's called a cab charter for your members. So it's basically like an overview of what the cab is your purpose their purpose what the objectives are and what the expectations are and so as you're sending invites out to people you can share this cab charter with them and they really get to read through what they're going to have to do and then if you have them sign an nda or something it's like they're like agreeing that they are going to be meeting all of those expectations and in return like your expectations that you deliver on the value that you promise in that charter And so in the charter that we had at Chili Piper, one of the expectations was that you participate in a quarterly social media push, which could be called UGC. And so we would combine. So gifting adds value to them, right? Like it's a cool gift. It gives them really cool content that creates buzz and helps them get impressions and engagement. But it also just makes them feel really special and exclusive. And so I have to give credit to my manager, Dan, for this, because we like both love Pokemon. And one day he was like, what if we turned all of our cab members into Pokemon? And I remember he said this in a meeting with multiple people and no one but me liked the idea. And I was like, I love (laughs) the idea so much. If I got a Pokemon card with my face on it, I would keep it forever. And so we ended up running with it and... If you saw it, like it ended up being a really great campaign and ended up counting. So like they would basically we what we did was we went through as an icebreaker in one of the meetings, we went through every cab member answered, if you had a personal superpower, and a work related superpower, what would they be and we didn't tell them what it was for. But they all answered the question and like we had recordings of the meetings and so we were able to write down what their superpowers were and we turned those into the Pokemon like powers and gave them HP points and stuff Mm -hmm. and so. We sent those out and you got a deck with every single cab member in it. And it was like wrapped. It looked like a Pokemon deck. (laughs) And so they ended up loving it. Like we put a little QR code with their, that led to their LinkedIn so they could all connect with each other. And yeah, I mean, it ended up being super impactful. I think it's probably one of like the highlights of my career in terms of like campaigns that I've been able to run, but they still like cab members from Chili Piper still ask me if I have the cards and they use them as business cards. So we ended up handing them out at an event in San Francisco where we had a couple cat members present. And they were like taking them around, introducing themselves to people and would be like, oh, scan my QR code on my Pokemon card.
1: So and cool. So it, like, I mean, it's
2: I <laughs> feel like being used, which is so cool. But just cre- coming up with really creative ways to make them feel like they're part of an exclusive club. And that was like the perfect way to do so. And we were getting requests from other influencers that were like affiliated with chili piper for pokemon cards and we were like sorry this is just for our cab so no
0: way that's so awesome (laughs) (laughs) could be a new side hustle for you taylor
2: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't design them our designer caitlin bard did but i was like the facilitator it was really fun though i don't know if you would have told me when i was 13 that i would be in marketing making pokemon cards one day i would not have believed you
0: Oh, it's the coolest thing. This why, I don't know, marketing just didn't even seem like a real job when I was at school. And now I like spend part of my day in Canva, another part of my day, like video editing, others like chatting on social media. I'm like, oh my God, this is work. I can't believe it. Yeah. This is so cool. Look, it shouldn't be a surprise to me, but I'm just taken back by how much like strategy and planning there is to this whole thing. Like you said, you, you sent the influencers, the customer advisory board members, like a charter, even getting them to make sure that they buy into like quarterly social media pushes, making sure that they're, I guess, engaging and lifting each other up and lifting the brand up. I even noticed that for a lot of them, they even had Chili Piper's title as part of their LinkedIn bio. Was that yeah. something that was part of the charter that, yeah. that got them to do that?
2: Yeah. So that was part of the charter. Yeah. And like I said, everything, almost everything we, we did or do in these cabs is like adds value on both ends. So having them announce, their position as a cab member and adding that to their LinkedIn profile gives them, they become affiliated with a brand that has a lot of respect and then, and they're seen as an advisor and an expert. And then it also gives us access to their network because we our logo is on their LinkedIn profile. And so that is something that was mapped in the charter. And we actually included that piece. So after the first round of meetings, we would send them, we sent them the COUP, I think Coup, it was called Coup, or COUP, C-O-U-P, custom wine kit that you saw that came in that case, and, or a champagne and had a saber. So we sent them that. And then we also sent them like an announcement toolkit, walking them through how to position their announcement. If they wanted help with it, like they could say whatever they wanted, but giving them that content so they didn't have to worry about what to say. So they would post that with a picture of their champagne kit. They would, we would show them exactly how to update their title. And so just making it really easy for them to take advantage of those value ads that we're trying to get them to take advantage of is like a great way to really get that cab charter taken seriously. And especially at the start when you're first launching, like that first, UGC push or that first advocacy action that you ask them to take needs to be really well facilitated so that you can get the relationship off to a really good start from just the cap member perspective.
0: So you've got to make it as easy as possible yes. for them then, right? Make it a, a total no-brainer, even yeah. to the point of this is hey, you update your LinkedIn to show that you're a customer advisory board member. Yeah. Okay, I really want to dive more into like the practicalities of building and running a cab. And we've already touched on a lot of different aspects, but I kind of want to tie it all together for our listeners. So first of all, I mean, we've already spoken about like how you go about selecting who should go in it. You said that it was different depending on like where your company is at. It was a different process from Chili Piper to now at Apollo, In terms of who to actually select to go on it in terms of positions or people in the buying committee, are you looking for like the end users of the product to be in the cab? Are you looking for like the decision makers to be in the cab? Are there different ways of doing it?
2: Different ways of doing it, for sure. Like I said earlier, I we've seen a lot of success in mapping our cab groups to our existing personas, because that way you can really tailor the feedback to benefit the organization as a whole. And it creates better engagement in the meetings, because someone who is an SDR leader might not have the same chops or skill set as someone that's a RevOps leader. And it's just because they work in totally different lanes and like work on different tools. And one's more, much more relationship driven. One is very technical. So not that they can't meet and get along and facilitate conversation. But if you're, if you have an hour of their time, once a quarter, you really want to make sure that the conversation is as rich as possible. And so that is a, the approach we've taken. And it's been really impactful. I, like I said, I have heard I'm in a couple customer marketing communities and a lot of the feedback I'm hearing or like the questions that come up is like, how do I get my cab more engaged? And the first question that I ask is, is it a bunch of mixed titles that are expected to meet once a quarter? Because that to me is, they're not gonna be as engaged because the conversation isn't always gonna be relevant to them. And then beyond that, understanding who some of the folks are in your organization. So I don't lead the meetings. I actually don't even attend the meetings. There were a couple that I would attend During my time at Chili Piper, I'm not planning on being in all the meetings at Apollo because if you have six groups, that's six hours of meeting and you're facilitating the logistics of the meeting and then all the follow-up and share outs and stuff. It's just a lot of time to be taken from you. And so having that can connect with whoever the titles are in whatever groups you choose to have internally to own the meetings. They don't necessarily own the relationships, but they really own like the messaging and the conversation and the agenda that's happening in the meetings is really important. And if you have some folks that are really invested in certain areas that maybe aren't your ICP, but can directly impact your business, that might be a group that you'd want to explore. So for instance, we had Dan, my boss, is very well-connected. He has run multiple communities in tech, and he has a bunch of friends. They're like all his friends that run all of these amazing communities in the tech space. And so because of that, we have these great connections that could support our brand and we created a community leaders group. So that's not a group that like directly impacts our product, but it's a group that really helps us get outside of the box in terms of thinking how we approach our go-to-market strategy, how we can partner on events, how we can make our cab groups more fun, what are some fun gifting strategies you're doing, how are you connecting with your community better? And so just coming up with, I guess, also creative alternatives to like mapping to your ICP that can benefit your business in a different way than just product feedback. That was very yeah, I long. Mean it, time, so I
0: no, that it was great. It, it sounds like you're just constantly looking for opportunities to add back into the members of the customer advisory board. And again, it, it, for me, so much comes back to how much time do these members of the customer advisory board have to invest in this? Like how much time is fair to ask of them? I heard you say like once a quarter, Mm -hmm. is how often they're meeting is that enough for people like where do you recommend people get started in terms of frequency of meeting
2: i think once a quarter is good we our meetings are an hour and a half at apollo they'll be probably 90 minutes and we have a set agenda for the first 60 minutes and then the next 30 minutes are optional and circling back to our conversation earlier i think Figuring out how to add the most value you can to these individuals, whether it's helping their organization or helping their them in their role or even helping them on a personal level, figuring out how to help them and add value will make them want to come to your meetings and want to be more invested. If you're getting intros from people that that are connected with people you want to sell to at Chili Piper just because you're on their advisory board, like, heck yeah, you'll show up for a 90-minute meeting or if, you know, an organization that has 30,000 LinkedIn followers is posting about you, like, you'll show up for a meeting, right, if your brand is being supported in that way. If, you know, you have, God forbid, you have a problem with a product, which it happens, You have a direct line to an executive like you'll show up to a 90-minute meeting to have access to things like that and so those are the things we map out in the charter and 90 minutes and one ugc push a quarter starts to sound really easy to be getting all of those benefits
0: yeah that's not a big ask at all i totally get that so you're constantly providing value outside of these meetings when they're in the meetings is that when you're using that really for feedback like on the product itself or are they talking about things related to them in the industry or is it like okay we give you all these benefits outside of this for this 90 minutes though like we are going to leverage this time to improve our product with your insights
2: it's everything it's everything you just said so I can kind of walk you through what a meeting agenda looks like. like with That'd the, be
0: awesome. Yeah, the, I'm, the, I'm so the, curious. Please. <laughs>
2: are. Yeah, so if you have a group of SDR leaders, like a strong meeting agenda would look like this. It would look like you have 10 minutes of facilitating intros if they haven't, like for new folks, and like some type of weird icebreaker. So like the superpowers question, or one idea we had one time was like, let's ask them what their favorite candy would be if they were on a road trip, and then we'll send them that candy like in a month. <laughs> So things like that can circle back and be like cute little reminders of, oh, Very we cool. do listen to you.
1: like Very
0: and, cool, you know, I love that.
2: The abyss. So having some kind of icebreaker, then moving right into product. I think having product at the front, you have the, has the most opportunity for engagement because it's the start of the meeting. They're fresh, they're excited to be there. You need to tell them if you provide food, you have to say, feel free to eat during this meeting. And I would even recommend, this is so small, but I would even recommend having Whoever's leading the cab pretending to be eating just to make everyone comfortable because if you send them like a charcuterie board and no one's eating, they're going to just be sitting there with their charcuterie board, like smelling the salami in (laughs) It's Weird. So always. So
0: so hold on. Sorry, was it said like this? Even though these meetings are happening remotely, you've sent out charcuterie boards in advance, and you're like everyone eat and chat. Yeah, oh, I love that. That's Yeah, we use a company
2: called a Virtual Toast. It's called a Virtual Toast, and they're incredible. They ship everything out for us. So like, I basically place the order and send them all the information, and they handle all the shipping. Yeah, so we provide food for the meetings. But if you Damn, do- Damn,
0: I love, I lo- sorry to jump in. I just gonna <laughs> say, I love that as someone who, as you can probably tell from my last name, Kudinaris, it's Greek. <laughs> like socializing and eating are just so inherently intertwined. And if I'm eating with someone, I trust them so much more. I'm willing yeah. to open up and speak up so much more. So that's really cool. Sorry to take us on a tangent no, back
2: to I'm, it. <laughs> I love hearing that. That makes me feel good that we do that. Like it just makes me, it, it reinvigorates my des- desire to have food in the meetings. So we'll continue with yeah. that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so start with product. Typically product should take between 15 and 30 minutes. You don't want to spend the whole meeting talking about your product. Like you don't want to spend 60 minutes talking about yourself and you want to make the product conversation really engaging. So instead of taking them through a 20 minute PowerPoint and then asking for feedback in the end, have questions like disperse through the PowerPoint, make sure you're asking for feedback As you're taking them through different ideas or different pieces or different updates versus waiting till the end because they're going to forget all the feedback they had. And that also just doesn't create the greatest conversation. And then once the product piece is over, I would recommend if you do have a group of people that share the same title and interests to have some kind of question that they can. Ideate on or give feedback on or share strategy on that directly impacts them so One example is for, we had a RevOps leaders group at Chili Piper. One of the questions once was, how do you fairly distribute leads in your organization? Because that was like a hot topic at the time. And we obviously had a lead routing solution called Distro. And opening the floor to discussion around fairly distributing leads within your organization and like, the problems that you've come across and like what you're doing to solve those things. And you're using our products to solve them. Like it just creates really good conversation that everyone can learn from. And for certain people, specifically RevOps, they would get into these like really technical use cases where they would end up just helping each other solve these really like specific problems that they wouldn't have solved otherwise. And so that's a great way to facilitate conversation that benefits all parties. And then the conversation from there, like organically, continues and they like get on to different topics or I don't want to say they get distracted, but if you have a really good core question that you start with and it gets everyone talking, the conversation will just naturally evolve and move into the optional networking. And the optional networking is that last 30 minutes of time. Once you meet the 60 minute mark, say, hey, going to interrupt really quick. Anyone that has to drop off can drop off. You're more than welcome to stay for an additional 30 minutes of networking if you want to. One thing I didn't mention that is also helpful is reviewing what you did in the last quarter in terms of just like the cap activations and saying, what did you love about what we did last quarter? What did you think of the gift? Did you feel like you had enough access to our team? What could we have done better? What are some of your ideas to make this more valuable to you? And typically there's not much feedback, but it's a good way to also facilitate, you know, live feedback about how your cab is functioning.
0: It sounds like an absolute goldmine of insights from that hour and a half. Like it just sounds absolutely incredible. What are you doing with these insights? How are you then taking them? Are you taking them, packaging them up and sending them off to the relevant teams? What are you doing?
2: Yeah. So this is like where the customer marketer comes back into play after the meetings or whoever's running the cab comes back into play. Directly after the meetings, I definitely recommend just blocking your calendar during the the full day, having a deep work day where you watch all the recordings, take notes and pull out. You'll hear things from customers that you need to send to CS or you'll hear things, you know, about products that they're interested in that you want to send directly to an AE or an AM or whoever handles expansion. You'll also hear things that, you know, are... Big, kind of small, but things that you probably want to raise to the product team saying, hey, three out of seven of the members that attended this meeting all said they're having this issue or would love to see this differently in our product. Because it's our cab, like they speak for the rest of our customer base. This might be a bigger issue than we thought. So please take it seriously. And having organization and a plan on who you need to distribute all of those things to is the first step because those are like the really hot items. And then what I recommend doing is if you have an all hands meeting or a channel where you can share things with your whole organization is pull out the key insights and just give a quick overview, send the meeting links and say, here's the meeting link. These are the five things that we learned that we think the whole organization can gain value from. And then send us any questions if you have any. There there have also been times where I've joined, like if the if we get a lot of insight around our messaging or our positioning that could really benefit our sales team. I've joined sales calls before and walked them through the feedback and just answered questions that they've had. Another thing we've done is the example about fairness and lead routing is we didn't do this, but this is a great example is if you find that there's really rich conversation around a topic like that, you can take it to your content team and you have built-in advocates that you could interview to talk about that content because they've already voiced their opinion on it and where you could fit them into a blog or something like that. So it could also inform some pretty great content for your marketing team.
0: Wow. So many different ways that you could use that information. And you touched on it a little bit, but I'm just wondering like how you actually measure the success, of the cab that you're running to like, I don't know, set a benchmark and try and improve on it because there's the one side, I guess, where it's how engaged are these cab members. And there's the other side, which is we're creating these awesome insights that we're passing on to the product team, whoever it might be. And there are all these amazing downstream effects, but it's, I don't know, to me, it just seems like hard to measure, put a number on anything. And maybe that's not important, but I'm just so curious as to how you actually measure the success. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there are a few ways. And I think you can pull metrics out of however you outline your charter. One of the benefits to CAB members is they typically will get like an elevated access to our referral program. So if they send us business, we'll give them a bigger incentive than we would give a regular affiliate. They also maybe have first right of refusal to speak at events. They maybe have the first, you first go through their list if you're looking for a customer reference and you're incentivizing folks that act as a customer reference for an open opportunity, like you just go to the cab list first, so that you're giving them all the opportunities to get paid. And so you can take all of those at actions that they perform referrals, speaking at events, if they're like a live case study, hopping on a reference call, and you can count all of that as influenced revenue when those deals close. So that's what we did for our cab, we would say, we can show you that like these are the actions that these cab members took over the course of the last quarter that directly impacted deals that closed. And this is the revenue that came from that. So it's influenced revenue. That's probably the easiest way, in my opinion, to measure the health of your cab. You can also do things like estimated, like UGC, look at engagement from posts that they're posting and get a number of, okay, this is what we think that the impressions were from the last round of UGC throughout the quarter that, that helped boost our brand or drive traffic or what have you. Um, and then the thing that we created that I actually really helped me from a customer marketing standpoint understand if our cab was where it needed to be was we created what we called a cab health score, where we basically decided that a healthy cab member was someone that joined the meeting every quarter or if they could not join the meeting because they were on vacation or on mat leave or something like that, they had to let us know. So they had to join every quarter and then they also had to participate in one advocacy activity every quarter. So that could be the round of UGC, it could be a case study, it could be a testimonial, it could be anything. And so if they met those two criteria, they were considered healthy. And it was my goal every quarter to have over 50% of our cab be healthy. And so having something like that, like I would look through the list maybe mid-quarter and be like, okay, only 20% is healthy. Like I need to look for opportunities to activate these people. And that kind of forced me to engage with them without thinking about programmatic ways to do like I just... My mind immediately went to, oh, we could have a cab member do that. And then I'll get another healthy cab member. So that was a really great way to make sure we were engaging with our cab members throughout the quarter. And it also, we told them that they had like a health score.
0: And (laughs) we
2: were very clear. We were very honest about like how we ran the cab. And so we would say, you're going to be measured on how you interact with us. And if that's not cool, that's not cool. But if you're not healthy two quarters in a row, like we might replace you or something like that. Like we wow. never thought that. But it was understood that like we had a wait list by the time I left. We had people that were asking to be in the cab, but we didn't have room. And so that just created another like loop of, I need to engage with them. They want, I need to take advantage when they reach out. When we reach out, the brand reaches out to the cab member and make sure that the things they're asking me to do, that I'm actually being helpful. Um, So then I don't get kicked out. Not that we would kick oh out.
0: Oh my God. That is just so awesome because all I see at the other end is like people getting cheese boards, Pokemon cards sent to them. Yeah. And behind this is this like very purposefully run process where everyone is like a super open, honest, transparent situation where we're like, Hey, we are here to help each other. And yeah. these are the rules for helping each other. We're both going to follow them. And I, I can totally see why now, like the compliance was so high. Cause yes, you've obviously created that value, but there were expectations set from the beginning. Like this is what we need from you and this is what we're going to do for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I will say like, I have to give credit to where credit is due. Our co-founders, Nico and Alina at Chili Piper, like a lot of the stuff we were doing, just uh, and Dan to start with was new. Like no one, I still don't know of anyone in our space that has run a cab like this. And I also don't often see cab members posting about their membership from different logos. That's not something that I've seen outside of Chili Piper. Maybe my LinkedIn feed is biased. I'm not sure. But <laughs> like, you have to have leaders that are willing to be experimental with a program like this and be transparent like that in order to reap the results that we were reaping, which is like really great impact on our brand really strong relationships with our customers and a cab that had an actual wait list when like everyone else is having a hard time getting their members to show up to meetings. Like it felt really good.
0: Yeah. I think like most other people just have a lunch once a quarter or something yeah. or every six months and people turn up for their free food, a little bit of yeah. networking, but that's about it. Yeah. There's so much uh,
2: you can do. You just have to, like I said, like you cannot have a cab function like this without headcount for it.
0: Yeah. Sounds like it takes a huge amount of organization, like a lot of one-to-one stuff as well. As you said, remembering what people's favorite candy was and perhaps there were sneaky ways of you guys trying to scale that. You can easily just send out a survey, find out what people's favorite candy is or whatever. You have that in your spreadsheet and then, you know, it's not too hard to go and actually do that and make people feel like they're seen, heard, that it's personalized, but maybe not quite as much as they feel.
2: There would be, yeah, exactly. There would be certain opportunities where if we had a research, like a survey for a UX survey, or if we had a need for a speaker at an event, we have these groups, right? So if I need someone that's in RevOps to do something, that's a one-to-many. I just send the ask out to the whole group and it takes me five seconds. For things that are more personalized, where I know this person is like an expert in this space and they would be really great, that's one-to-one. So there are definitely like, It's mostly one-to-one engagement, but there are ways to make asks of the whole 60 person group, your mini cohorts, or the one-to-one. There's different ways you can do it. So it's definitely like, you have a little bit of control over how much work it is.
0: In terms of like other ways to use the customer advisory board, I think I noticed you guys were using them to help you do case studies, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing as well, I suppose a lot of the people you selected for your customer advisory board already had a strong brand presence of their own, a strong personal brand. Did you like select them on purpose to do case studies because like they were someone who was recognized?
2: No, actually we didn't. So there were a lot of people in the cab that were not necessarily influential. I think our two groups that were very influential were our sales influencers and our community. So we worked with them on a lot of brand driven activity, but we actually, I think when it comes to customer stories and research studies, we really focused on our admins for that and a lot of them like never post on LinkedIn. So you have, depending on what the need is, like you have this amazing group of people that add different types of value to the cab, whether it's expertise in a really specific technical skill set or someone with an amazing brand, like you get to pick and choose, but we didn't Case studies and quotes and testimonials and things like that were things that would count as an advocacy action. And so we really did a good job of making sure we were reaching, d- dipping into the whole group versus dipping into just the people with really strong brand, if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, no, it does. It does. That that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to ask, Taylor, you do seem to be very passionate about this. Was there <laughs> a moment like when you were building customer advisory boards when you first came across it where you just fell in love with it and you were like damn this stuff really works i can see myself doing it for a long time
2: i don't know i think so when to be totally honest with you when i first was handed the cab project at chili piper i was very intimidated by it like i had my background is like growth marketing and like owning a segment and running campaigns like i i had never facilitated like anything like this. And I don't love event planning. And so I think it was like this monster that I had to tackle. And then it became, I think I'm so passionate about it because it became like my thing, like my baby. And I got to build relationships with incredible people that I still talk to this day. And so I think I'm really passionate about it because of the relationships. And just because it's like, it's fun. And I had never done this before. It's fun to create a new type of program. Like it's fun to fix something that's broken and be able to talk about it with people and help people. And I think that's what I'm really drawn to. If you asked me if I wanted to do cabs full time, I would say absolutely not. I don't think
0: I would want to. <laughs>
2: I would want this to be a piece of my job. I would never want this to be my whole job because it's a lot of work. And there are things I love about customer marketing that are not cab focused, probably more than the cab. But yeah, I think it's just because it grew into this like really great program that I I still talk about obviously. And I get to implement at a new organization now. And I don't know. I guess I I don't know if there was like a moment though.
0: Yeah, yeah, Now look, I can see why now after chatting to you why you would want it to be like just what you do. I initially thought that this was something that I wanted to do for my business like later this year. And now I can see the huge amount of work that goes in behind it, the huge amount of hours you need to put into it. And I'm like, first of all, I don't think we're at the right stage. And second of all, even if we were, I don't think I want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I need to get someone else to give us a hand. Like there's parts which seem super fun, but like I can see that it, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work and the benefits are definitely there, but yeah, it takes work.
2: Worth it though. It's fun to see the impact it has on the organization. And also it's really fun to have, if you're a collaborative person, which if you're in customer marketing, you have to be collaborative. Like you have to be willing to be customer facing and you have to be, you have to be very extroverted. I feel and be willing to reach out to help people. And uh, it's really fun to like Help someone on the UX team that I would never talk to at Chili Piper who was named Taylor. She was the other Taylor. And so, because (laughs) of that, I had this like desire to be friends with her. And she was on the UX team. And like towards the end of my time at Chili Piper, I was just feeding her these cab members to do these UX projects that she like was having trouble finding people for. And like I never would have gotten to build that relationship if it weren't for the cab. So, it's things like that too that make it so worth it.
0: That's awesome. That's very cool. We're starting to run out of time, but I would love to know, and you can just say no to this because you might not be able to share, but is there anything exciting in the works at Apollo when it comes to cabs that you're able to share with us?
2: Yeah, we're launching one. We're (laughs) building one right now. We're in the process of identifying what kind of establishing the structure, what groups we want to have, like what the charter will look like, who will own it. Like I said, it will be a little bit different from Chili Piper in that it will probably be more product focused. Like we'll have a GPM leader, a group product manager leading the group or groups. So that's probably going to be launching in the next few months. And we're also working on launching the first iteration of a formal advocacy program for our users. So more to come on that.
0: Wow, very exciting. I'll encourage our listeners to go and follow you, Taylor, on Thank LinkedIn you. to keep up to date with that because I'm very excited to see how that evolves. You guys did such an amazing job at Chili Pfeiffer. I know you're going to crush it at Apollo as well. You. Taylor, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you so much for sharing that sensational brain and that process with us. I've just learned so, so much. Cabs are obviously a great way of creating real win-win scenarios and it's so cool to see like how you actually do that behind the scenes. Before we finish up the conversation, is there anything else that you'd like to add to the conversation or direct our audience's attention to?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think elevating the customer voice is a really big part of customer marketing, if not like the whole ball game. And if you are looking for someone who is really great at that, my manager, Dan Shmela, if you find him on LinkedIn, like I. He has been the most incredible person for me to learn from and get me out of my comfort zone. And he is also the most willing person to help other people. So if you're early on in your career and you're just looking for someone to mentor you or help you out, I have to give him a kudos. This is the second place I've worked for him. So I follow him around.
0: (laughs) He must be good. He must be good. That's awesome. Taylor, where would you like people to follow you so they can follow along with your journey?
2: LinkedIn is great. Really active on LinkedIn.
0: Wonderful. Taylor Bogart, thank
2: you. Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Well, George, as technical as some of these conversations get, it's amazing to see how much those overarching principles we always talk about and advocate for really come back to the fore. And equally amazing to see the fundamentals don't change. Be helpful, be a good human to others, and it's easy to figure out a successful growth strategy. Cabs are no exception to that rule.
0: And Taylor is obviously super well suited to the role, Kev. She's an incredibly helpful person. She's obsessed with lending others a hand. That became very apparent throughout our conversation. Look, not in the least with all the information that she shared on this episode in running a cab. We're so lucky that she dove so deep into those details.
1: And speaking of those details, let's recap some of those main ones for our listeners and our viewers. Cabs can help businesses get product feedback, but more importantly, it can get your best customers to become advocates for you and your business. Another great point was that you need to tailor your approach with cabs depending on your business, depending on your business objectives. Even different customer numbers that you're servicing can really change how you should go about engaging people in your cabs and how you should go about accomplishing a successful cab.
0: I loved her point, Kev, around not just looking at customer personas, but even mapping to your business objectives as well. So you've got to look at your true power users or the people who really benefit from your business and you want to do it with their
1: insight. And it's really interesting on that point, George. I really like that as well, because she mentioned that people sort of default to, yes, their best customer profiles, the titles that makes the most sense, and that is a big part of it. But she also mentioned that they had a lot of success with just a bunch of people around the business who are really connected to people in the business who really have good industry knowledge and can share those insights. And even that can be helpful in a cab. So it's important to get creative with it over time and add those different cab members in to really get additional value from your cabs. And she said cabs is a full-time job because of all this one-on-one work, because of all this fine-tuning and really one-on-one thinking about what is gonna benefit from your particular cabs, make sure you have dedicated headcount before you start trying to make cabs work for your business.
0: It's such an organized approach, Kev, even to the next point of hers that I really loved was that cabs actually need a charter. So she created a charter for the cabs, to begin with, and that included things like quarterly social uh, and other advocacy commitments. So the people involved knew exactly what was required of them and what they had to do to stay
1: involved to make it a win-win for everyone. Yeah, I'm not sure either one of us would survive in a cab too with a charter as strict as that. We're a bit more laissez-faire with our content creation and sharing, but definitely important when you're talking about cabs, listeners and viewers to have that charter in place right from the start. And that really helps with the next point, which she mentions, which is the first advocacy action needs to be really well facilitated for the relationship to get off to a good start, get the ball rolling. And that is really a prerequisite for the rest of the relationship going well.
0: Kev, I thought it was awesome how Taylor showed us an example of what a cab meeting agenda actually looks like. I think that's something that's pretty rare to get an insight into, and not just an insight as to how it's run, but how to measure success from them, how to act on them, what metrics to look at. One that was particularly interesting was the CAB member health score that they came up with, which is something that's really cool to check out. So thank you to Taylor for sharing that.
1: But listeners, as good as your process is, be sure to follow up with the process in place to then collate insights from those meetings, collate insights from your CAB meetings, and then action them as well. Make sure you have a process of taking the insights out to particular teams after each meeting after each quarterly meeting so that the rest of the team are ready to action those things they're expecting it because if you get those insights and not action then it's really wasted time and effort for everybody
0: that's it you got to make the most of it all right listeners go and find taylor boga on linkedin she always shares a ton of great content there You'll learn a lot just by connecting with her. And as always, Kevin and I are absolutely stoked that more and more of you are tuning in or watching on YouTube every Monday morning to the B2B Playbook podcast. And if we can ask one thing, it would be that if you're watching, please leave a comment down below on YouTube. Or if you're listening, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you listen on. That's a huge help to us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, listeners. Take care and catch you next week.
1: Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. Catch you next week.
0: A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at
1: theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook.
0: We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.